Hello, it's uh, Greg Shepard uh, speaking, the facilitator of the West Coast uh, Beef and Lamb New Zealand Farming for Profit program. And the topic tonight is finding talents and growing our well-being. Uh, mental welfare is something we are all becoming more and more aware of. However, as a professional group, farmers are still grasping with uh, what it means, how to identify it, and how do we manage it. Doing these things is also becoming increasingly important as straw after straw seems to continually be added to the proverbial haystack we call stress at the moment. Uh, whether it's the weather, uh, too much rain, off rain, uh, the rainfalls uh, that, that are coming in, uh, it's, uh, it just seems to be one thing after another at the moment. Uh, I, at this point, I'd just like to acknowledge um, our, our management team here at the moment. Um, I have uh, Anna Murray, who works with me at Shepherd Agriculture, uh, supporting this in the background. And most importantly, uh, we have Lucy, Lucy Murray from Beef and Lamb New Zealand, who is our, our Northern South Island Extension Manager and is relatively new to the job, having recently um, joined the team, having taken over yeah. from uh, Briar Huggett, uh, who was away on maternity leave. So the, I guess the, the rules of thumb for a, a webinar is um, when you come on board, please make sure that your video remains turned off and your um, speaker is off as well. That helps us with uh, maintaining good um, internet um, linkages with everybody and keeps the, um, the webinar moving forward and not um, jamming up um, for various people depending on what their internet speed is. Um, we will have a chat session. Uh, there will be a chat opportunity for you um, to ask questions as we go. And if you look at the uh, right, uh, sorry, the bottom of your screen, you will see a little tap icon. If you click on that, um, you will be able to uh, write a chat in the chat box. Quickly, it comes up at the bottom right of your corner, uh, bottom right corner of your screen. Um, so you can. Uh, type a message in there, which we will then um, ask Doug in turn when we have the opportunity to do so. Okay, look, um, I've mentioned Doug um, to gain uh, to help us gain some insight into uh, into this topic. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Doug Avery as a guest speaker. Doug is a passionate agriculturalist uh, with Bonavere being the family farm for over a hundred years. The Avery family has won the South Island Farmer of the Year competition and more recently the Marlborough Farmer of the Year competition. As Doug's son Fraser and daughter-in-law Shelley have gradually assumed a bigger role in the farm, Doug has, been able, Doug has been able to develop his other passion, which is mental welfare, and has done a lot of work in that area with farmers, uh, not only in New Zealand, but also internationally and through the UK. So it's my pleasure, Doug, um, to welcome you to our Beef and Lamb New Zealand West Coast Farming for Profit webinar. Over to you. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Greg, and uh, good evening, everybody. I, uh, I see there's still, still a few people joining, but we're going to get straight into it. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here tonight, and uh, I'd like to thank um, uh, Greg and his team at Shepherd Agriculture and, and also Beef and Lamb for, um, for, for creating the opportunity. Uh, the topic I'm wanting to talk about tonight, of course, is uh, is, is is creating talents, and it's a it's a really interesting thing. Um, um, and Greg's mentioned we've been farming at Grassmere for um, for over a hundred years. 
I've actually just stepped right out of the farming role in there. We've sold the business. I've succeeded, sold the uh, business, Wendy and I, my wife, to uh, Fraser and Shelley. And so I'm a, I'm a has been in that regard. Uh, but it's really interesting. As I've grown older, I've learned a lot more about um, the, the multitude of talents that I've got. And I've started to realize that vast numbers of people have got a lot more uh, potential than they ever realize. So I want to start off tonight by, um, by um, talking to you about just stuff around the world, uh, which brings me to uh, this sort of, sort of a conclusion. A few years ago, a Beatle, George, uh, uh, Paul McCartney, was being interviewed uh, by a fellow, and he said to him, uh, Sir Paul, when you went to, uh, to school, did you learn music? And he replied, yes, yes, I did. And he said, did your music teacher think you were any good at music? He said, no, no. He said, I, I went to um, a secondary school in, in Liverpool, and my teacher there thought I was hopeless at music. He didn't rate me at all. And he went on to say that uh, George Harrison also went to the same school. He was two years younger. And uh, he asked him, was he any good at, um, uh, was he any good at music that his teacher recognized his talents? And he said, no, he didn't recognize his talents either. So he was in the mid fifties, a teacher in a school in Liverpool had half the Beatles, one of the greatest musical bands in the history of the globe, and he didn't recognize it. The point I make with this is sometimes our talents are very deeply buried. Uh, Elvis Presley went to school in Memphis, Tennessee. At his school, there was a club called the Glee Club. Uh, Elvis really didn't enjoy academics at all. He loved music. And he went along to the Glee Club and asked them, can, can I join in your musical events? Uh, they listened to him sing and they said, no, he would lower the value of their sound. Uh, we all know today how great the Glee Club became. You know, Elvis was huge. Ed Sheeran uh, was a gifted musician from the age of four. As he grew older, he got into songwriting and he was recognized hugely by lots of people but he turned up at a recording studio one day and they turned him away because they said no one would want to listen to a ginger especially a spotty face ginger uh, and with big round glasses uh, Ed Sheeran is worth over 200 million dollars has dominated uh, the tops of the song competitions around the globe is idolized by millions of people. And the point is that I make is that our talents are not necessarily brought to the surface uh, by other people. In fact, often we've got to be prepared to dig for our talents as well. And the last little thing I want to say about uh, this kind of, uh, this bit is, Death Valley in California. It's called Death Valley because it never rains there and there is nothing alive. But in 2004, all of a sudden, seven inches of rain dropped on Death Valley. And within, week, within a week, the valley was green. 
plants that hadn't lived for years, the seed struck, emerged, raced to seed, flowered, and then there was no more rain and they died. A lot of human beings, all they need is the addition of something else into their life uh, to add that value, uh, to create that opportunity to do something really special. So in the next uh, 30 or 40 minutes, I want to give you uh, a chance to ask questions, but I also want to uh, seed with you thought patterns that may um, improve your well-being uh, improve your opportunity to grow yourself in life. Uh, just go here and touch that. And there we go. So finding our talents, growing our well-being. As an individual person, um, I never thought, I call myself a storyteller. Um, I swan around the world telling stories about my life. I didn't ever realize that I would ever be doing that. I thought that when I went farming, I was so passionate about farming, I would do that forever. And the question that I want to ask you tonight is, what's your current story? What's the story that you're telling at the moment? Is it, uh, is it a happy story? Is it a sad story? Is it a story which has got um, uh, energy in it? Or is it a story where you feel that right at the moment, it's, it's perhaps really challenged? Think about your past story, the story that you used to live in. Was it better or worse? Is your life progressing forward? Or is it just seems to be on, on hold? But the most important thing is, what's your future story going to be? What do you think that you are capable of achieving in the next year in your life? Uh, do you put time in your life into thinking about where you're going to go? Uh, these are the kind of questions that I want to ask and I want to ask them in quite a few different ways in the next short period of time. So as I just mentioned before, at Bonneveree, my wife on this side here, Wendy and Doug on the other side, we're walking out and the younger generation are walking in. We've just uh, rolled over for the third time to the fourth generation and we've got two young grandchildren out there uh, that are showing huge signs of being passionate about agriculture, which I've been myself. It's a delightful phase and um, one that I'm, I'm so proud that in the last 20 years, I've been able to reverse where we've got to. We, I suffered five years of depression 20 years ago, and we came very close to losing all that opportunity. I will share with you as we go through some of the things that happened. I didn't realize that I didn't know enough and I didn't use a lot of other resources that were available. Three years ago, I wrote a book, The Resilient Farmer. That's gone global and it's still selling really well. I traveled to England and I noticed the guy reading it outside Buckingham Palace, but I think I might have given him the copy. And all over the world, birds of all sorts of of different stages were found to be reading my book. 20 years ago, I found myself looking at that sign. What, will, what was I going to do for the rest of my life? I'd already experienced what average was. Uh, and I thought, well, I think I'll try the memorable road. If you look hard at that, it never says anywhere success or failure. What it actually says is average and memorable 
I'd already found that average road was not good for me. I hated it. So I decided I wanted to change what I was doing and at least give myself a chance of some success. To give you a little idea of what the uh, countryside looks like, I took this photo just a week or so ago at our southern property, Glenfield. That's one in Grassmere Road of user lambs on Lucian here and hoggets lambing on high, high feed cover levels. There's uh, conservation going on of a dry face over there with Tankasasti, which we grow for cattle feed and bee fodder. Uh, some Frisian bulls on strip wilted Lucian grazing with user lambs. And that's the, uh, the, the boss, the owner, uh, and the key man on Bonnebury now, uh, Fraser, and that's standing in a typical spring hill country pasture where we use legumes, uh, Lucian on a lot of country and subterranean clover to create excellent uh, animal growth and well-being. You'll notice he's got red hair. Uh, we grow, we, we farm just across the road from the uh, Lake Grassby Salt Lake. And that's what happens to your kids when, you, when you've got too much salt just across the road. That's a closer one of Tagasasti. So that's a picture at a different time of the year and a few years ago, uh, driving onto our farm. And it's looking out the front windscreen of my truck. When I go anywhere, anywhere in my truck, I always drive looking out the front windscreen. I, you can back a truck, but I've found that it's much, much easier, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, to look out the front windscreen, and you'll notice that up here we've got the rear vision mirror. In my view, those are the proportions of the view that you want for life. So... We are going through incredible changing times at the moment, and those changing times are causing all sorts of problems for all sorts of people. Um, but when you think about it, change has always been a part of progress, and sometimes it can be incredibly hard. Now, if you think that I'm wrong, think about how hard it would be if you were to back your vehicle everywhere. So if you're looking at the future of agriculture, which I hope you are, looking in the past, which is what you do with the rear vision mirror, so you need to be aware of what's happened, but the big view you need for the future needs to be out the front windscreen of your, of your, of your life. The past is valuable for learning some lessons, but our integra integration of the future of agriculture really requires us to be futuristic. The problems that we will face and be challenged by didn't exist in the past. I, when I look at uh, our farm out there in Grasmere, the, the problems and challenges that we are grappling with were non-existent mostly in the past. So we are fully focused on the front windscreen. The language that I put to, to that is the future creates the present. What do I mean by that? Well, if you mark a place in the future where you want to be, in one year's time, I want to have elevated my lambing percentage or I want to have improved uh, my beef production or I want to be able to have one day or two days off every week. If you set that as a target, then your mind capacity will be focused on achieving that goal. 
one of the things that I'm huge about is what do you measure? Uh, our progress from basically 20 years ago had it, unable to move forward. Uh, started by measuring stuff. We started by measuring grass. We started by measuring a whole lot more stuff. I'd always been a very, very good measure of economic performance. And that probably contributed to my demise and that I was so aware of how, how poorly we were doing. But as we got better at measuring, we got better at understanding where we were on the board. And we could start to make changes to our system and measure whether they were valuable changes or a waste of time. A year or so ago, we had a strategy meeting as a family with, and we brought in some very clever people to help us. And we asked ourselves, what can we measure more than we do now to improve our journey into the, into the future? We suddenly realized, and we would be one of the most measured farms in Marlborough. We suddenly realized that actually we still didn't measure enough stuff. So I believe if you don't measure what you're doing, you can't manage it. So we run uh, primarily three software programs. And if you're watching TV a bit lately, you'll probably see my ugly old Duke come on there uh, supporting Zero and Figured. Um, with a new advertisement which started this morning. So FarmIQ measures our historical data and our paddock recording, uh, zero and figured our financial performance. And then in the middle, we've got uh, FarmAx, which is a, a modeling uh, program which tells us whether the, the thinking that we're wanting to put in place at the present time is a viable process. Those three programs work together in collaboration to give us amazing knowledge about where we're heading. It's a really interesting thing. A lot of people don't measure much yet. And that's part of the reason I think people find it really hard to actually cope with a lot of the things that are going on in terms of reporting and recording and moving forward. So our farm is very sophisticated when it comes to that. We periodically have to report to a wide variety of people. And a couple of years ago, we got involved with Greg here tonight in Shepherd Agriculture, and he designed a dashboard for Bonavere. We're on two or three pages. Uh, everything that was being done on that farm is presented. And that meant that those who need to know can also get with us and help us. Now, if you haven't done a lot of this sort of stuff, it's never too late to start. But I think that going into the future with agriculture without much measuring is a really, really challenging. It's going to be really, really challenging because I can't see whether it's National Labor or the Pink Party or the Yellow Party. They will all require, as we move forward, more recording. Now, another thing that I want to bring up tonight is the ability to measure your health. Because I'm a guy that spent five years in hell with a breakdown, with, 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 with a uh, mental breakdown. That was a result of an eight-year drought where I didn't have the skills to manage what happened. It's by far the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But the simple fact of the matter is that Today, I realize it took that 
to wake me up to the opportunities. Now, the program in front of you there, if you're interested in measuring your physical and, and mental health, you'll notice this is my kind score. You can go into the um, Play Store or the App Store, whatever one you use, download Kind Wellness, spelled K-Y-N-D, download it. And if you've got a pen and paper here, write down this code, N-A-P-G-G-F-F. And PGG will be happy to sponsor your application to, the, to do this. And then you, once you put that code in, you can go in and answer questions and it will give you what it calls a kind score. So they're not going to anyone else, they're just for you. And you can go through and, you can, and ask things like, how, how, how often do you feel angry and how often do you feel that? And it's a part of a way where you can start to understand how well you're traveling. It also will ask you a lot of life questions and body questions like, what weight are you? Um, what height are you? What blood pressure do you have? All these sort of things. And the point that I'm making here is my mental and physical wellness is the first thing that Doug Avery concentrates on. And right through our team in Bonavaree, we now focus on the well-being of our people. That's, that's first. Health and safety, well-being. And it's our philosophy that no one should come to work with a risk of not going home. But more importantly, if you're physically well and mentally well, your contribution to the well-being of that farm will accelerate. And we are now reaping the benefits of having staff who love learning and love that whole process. Now, last time I filled out this was uh, this thing was on the 9th of September. So I had actually just had the pleasure of, of um, getting some better results for my health. I'd lost five kilos of, of weight and everything was looking much better. So you're welcome, no charge, to download that thing, put in the code N8PGGFF, and you can start measuring your progress. Doesn't mean you measure it every day. You might measure it now. In 12 months' time, you might go back in there and say, well, how am I now? How's my mental well-being? How's my physical well-being? Because what I know about agriculture is there's a lot of people that are like that around. When you say, g'day, Jack, how are you going? They've got a big grin on their face, but inside they're not feeling well. And I want to add at this stage that if that's you, you are most welcome to get in touch with me. You'll find my contact details on my website, The Resilient Farmer. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about helping people is because it's, it's okay to say I'm not okay. When I finally came to terms to get help to grow myself and to get out of that place, I've never stopped going forward since. That's a figment of a thing I call neuroplasticity. So that's a pretty big technical name, but just to break it down, our brain is like our muscles in our body. It hates hard work. It likes to do things the easiest way. So if you're a negative thinking people, person, if you think, oh, every time, uh, every time I lamb, it's always rains and I lose a lot of lambs. Uh, every time you get that sort of information, it'll go to the back part of your brain here. And that's the part of your brain which doesn't handle stuff well. It's the part which it, we call it in my sort of paddock language, the grumpy zone. By comparison, 
And that was what I was like when I was in my bad place. I thought everybody was against me. I thought the world was against me. The government was against me. Uh, I stopped and isolated myself from everybody. But since then, I've taught myself to have a completely different point of view about the things that I hear, see, taste, smell, touch. I first give them a chance in the prefrontal cortex. That's the happy place. So when I get some information, I'll take it there and, and hopefully I can handle it. If it's really bad, it'll end up in the back. But the thing is that inside of your brain, there are pathways like roads, like main roads and side roads. And the pathway that you use the most, which will be driven with whether, by whether you've got a strong positive attitude or a really negative attitude, if you've got a negative attitude and you're thinking, oh, no, yeah, it's fine for this guy. He knows it all, but I don't know. That's never the sort of luck I get. The road that will be the strongest and the easiest to travel will be straight to the back part of your brain, and that'll eventually make you unwell. If you are like me and you think positively about things, the roadway that strengthens and opens up and gets the one that's naturally to use goes to the front place where you actually get an opportunity to think, well, you know, today I've had a storm, but hey, I know about how many lambs I've lost. And so I can go out there and buy something else. And we've only actually physically lost the opportunity of those birth, birth lambs. Still a problem, but it's not the loss of an opportunity. If you want to view more about that, Google, Google neuroplasticity, and there's a little uh, icon that comes up, a blue icon, a bit like this, and watch it. It's really, really valuable. So the wonderful thing about neuroplasticity is, and I've experienced that in my life now, we once thought that a human brain only grew till you're 24, but now we know that it's possible to develop your, your mental attitude, your mental ability, right through to your old years if you look after your brain. So that's, to me, really exciting. Now I want to tell you, because uh, at Grassmere, I started off farming 206 hectares, and now with, with, when I sold the place to Fraser and Shelley, uh, we were farming 2,500 hectares. We owned 2,300. That was quite a big change. And I get a lot of people come to me and say, Doug, uh, how the hell did you do that? And uh, I would really like your help to help me do it. And I'll look at them and say, when are you going to start? And they'll look back at me and they'll say, I'll start when I've got the confidence. And so this is a bit like developing your talents. If you think that you're going to start when you've got the confidence, you'll never start. I know so many people that wanted to do something, that thought that they should do something, but they didn't feel quite confident enough. I can assure you, if you're waiting to feel confident, you'll never start. When I say that to people, they say, oh, what I meant, Doug, was I'll start when I've got some more capability sorted out. And I'll just shake my head and I'll say, no, you, you'll never start. You'll never, ever have a crack at a big, eerie, audacious goal if you're going to wait for it. To, you'll never, you develop capability on the road. There are four C's in a set of development. It might be in your ability to grow some knowledge or whatever. It might be your golf swing, whatever it is. If you want to improve something and it's a significant thing, you've got to get it in the right order. and You've got to understand what's got to happen. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to commit. That is number one. 
if, if you don't commit to a journey, you'll never, ever do it. Once you've committed, you go into what I call the courage zone. No one ever enjoys that. Every time I've bought another farm or expanded a new pasture operation or developed a new way of thinking on the farm and put it into process, I've always laid awake at night worrying about what I've done. Am I sure? Have I thought of everything? Have I crossed everything? Have I borrowed too much money? The courage zone is deliberately an uncomfortable place because when you're in it, it forces you to develop capability. As you develop capability, uh, that's learning. That's one of the key things for mental well-being. As you develop your capability, guess what? You develop confidence. When you're confident at something, uh, that's fabulous. When you are under one, probably walking was something that was incredibly challenging for you. My, my guess is now, you don't even have to think to walk. Our lives have got an opportunity for continuous learning if you want to think about things in an organized fashion. I'm going to show one more slide. And so if you're sitting on some questions, fire them into Greg now and the team, and I'll stop after the next slide and answer them. And so one of the problems that we all face is we don't like making ourselves vulnerable. The definition of vulnerability is uh, putting yourself in a place where you can't control the outcome and having the courage to still do it. Now, all steps in life require vulnerability and courage. But if you're a sort of person who would prefer to stay in your comfort zone, uh, where there is low risk, you're in control of everything and it's very safe, you might feel really happy at the moment, but in a world that's really changing fast and you're not changing, sooner or later, and the reason I have the comfort zone is a black zone, sooner or later you'll realize that you can't really stay there and be happy. Some people can. They are happy to do the same old job for the whole of their life, and I really take my hat off to them. But the guy that you're listening to, and I'm part of the reason that people like me uh, can be vulnerable to depression is that I couldn't stand my comfort zone. I couldn't stand being stuck in a drought. I had to push out. And when you push out, you go through what I call the courage zone. You'll probably lack self-confidence. You'll definitely feel very vulnerable to the process. You could experience fear. Uh, other people will throw their opinions at you and say, well, you know, You'll probably go wrong. Look, Joe, and I had that. Your father was a great farmer. You were wrecking the place by planting all that loose in. I knew that my old road was unpassable. I knew that I had to go through a courage period of time, take risks and step out into that big world. And the most important thing when you're doing this kind of exercise is to have other people involved. And I'll talk about that later. So when you're in the courage zone, that forces you to develop capability. You start acquiring new skills. You extend your comfort zone out. You start to realize that, gee, what I thought was the limit of my capability uh, wasn't really at all. Some of the things that I'm doing now are working really well. That's where the measuring comes in. If you're measuring, you can actually definitely say, this year we're better. Uh, only a little bit, but if we do that bit of this process a little bit better, we will proceed even further. That's dealing with the challenges and problems. 
human beings that get that process going are almost invariably quite excited. And the next thing that they get is, is this. Their life lights up. Things go really good. You've found your purpose in life. Your dreams are coming true. Uh, you've set some new goals. But the problem with, with confidence zones is they slowly go black. So if you think, oh, my gosh, I've just been through this amazing period of time. And we've got all that nailed. Celebrate, enjoy it, and then get ready for the next challenge. Because the world we live in doesn't stop for us. So I just want to stop there and uh, and see if there's any questions. How are we going, Greg? Or Lucy? Or Rehanna? Sorry, Doug, just had to unmute myself there. <laughs> hey, um, look, that's great, thank you. And um, yeah, just good point, uh, place to pause. I was just wondering, I, I put a question up there. You were talking about that um, Ford look out the, uh, the U window versus the, the rear view mirror and keeping things in perspective or in proportion about where you focus your time and energy. But you also talked about, you know, the, the problems that you face tomorrow won't necessarily be what you had yesterday. Yep. Can you put uh, or give us an example of something that, that you had happened on the farm where you, you've taken stock and looked out that window and said, crikey, this is coming up. Um, you know, we're going to front foot this and it's going to be ultimately beneficial or resolve the, the, the problem in yep. business. Yeah, well, you know, one, one classic example of that is climate change. Like, we're, for the whole of my prime farming life, that wasn't something that we had to consider. Uh, um, a lot of the environmental things were not a really consideration when I started farming. Uh, the politicians were paying us to... Uh, swipe down biodiversity, the concept about being um, able to plant your farm in pine trees and, and go to the beach, it never, it never occurred. Uh, so, you know, like it's on that level, food security. I mean, you know, like if you're going to be producing uh, food for anybody in the future and you're not up to recording systems that are going to manage and, and deal with food security, uh, um recording all the events of, of what have gone on and having it done in a way which uh, doesn't disrupt you from your work. Uh, that's the point I'm making about measuring. Uh, we've made measuring as one of our key performance processes now. So that can seem really challenging at the start, but it's a bit like this. At the start, you've got to go through the courage zone with those things. And when you start to learn some new, new stuff on how to do it, then you suddenly realise, oh my gosh, I'm getting multitudes of advantage and they're coming from all sorts of places we didn't expect. Like my big switch was changing from ryegrass and and, um, and white clover to a lucerne-based pasture system and the, the floodgates just opened. Um, we had a lot of problems, but we didn't turn back. So, so the, the, the West Coast has got a lot of different problems. You've got probably the opposite. We struggle with dry and you struggle with wet. But the, the opportunities and the um, the opportunities will be just as great if not greater. Okay. Well, again, just want to reiterate, if, if any of you have got any questions, please use that chat function um, button at the bottom of your screen. 
Um, another one, Doug, you know, you talk about the, the monitoring, the market measure, the, the, you know, how it's played such an important part. You know, as a, as a consultant, one of the comments I get um, is when I, when I start talking about, hey, look, I really think you would benefit from, from recording this and that, is, oh, but I don't have time. How, how, what's your what's your take on that? And well, you know, that's, how do you that's, that um, that mindset um, that some people have towards that. Yep. Well, you know, like a, that's that's a that's a very good question. And, and when I started my 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 journey of change, so my my big one of the main reasons that I I had a mental breakdown was because my uh, my sole way to beat every challenge was to work harder. And when the drought that we went through went on and on and on, I laid off my staff and tried to do everything. And that virtually signed my, my depression certificate. And battling my way out of it, the first of it was really hard. But as a younger farmer, I'd always thought that I needed a new tractor or I needed a new this or a new that. But as I grew older, I realized that I actually didn't re really need a lot of that stuff. What I needed was more knowledge. And I started having a preference to buying knowledge and buying people who could help me uh, collect that knowledge. And once I'd done that and we started to get the reward from that process, uh, then it became much easier for us to buy uh, tractors and things like that. But then we found, well, we were still busy learning and growing and that we preferred to use contractors for everything we possibly could. And my old mindset was I couldn't afford to uh, employ contractors. My new mindset was I can't afford not to. So I went through a whole different process of understanding where the growing shoots of my business really were. So we went from a, um, from a farm with a gross income of 1998 of $350,000 and expenses uh, about the same. And about 10 years later, we were pushing two million, two million dollars, and and sizable processes, and that was mostly achieved from learning, from investing in processes where we could measure, monitor, and grow. Uh, and you know, like we 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 still have a good tractor, uh, but machinery and stuff like that. When you look at the portfolio of investment that we've got on that farm in in eastern Marlborough. Uh, we changed the way we integrated it. Now, I'd like to also say to anyone that's watching out there, you probably will have picked up that I'm not an overly clever guy. So one of the things that I had to do was import clever people to help me. And initially that was hard. And sometimes I'd think, gee, you know, I don't know whether I can really afford to do this, but then I'd look at the results of the last thing because I was measuring it and think, no, I can't afford not to. Next question, or so on we go. I've got a question here for you, Doug. Yep. Um, so it's on happiness, and we're talking about measuring. So obviously every day isn't going to be perfect, but how do you tell things are going well or have that, yes, I'm achieving happiness in my job? Oh, well, the first thing I'd say about happiness is that a lot of people just uh, feel that they've got a right to happiness. Happiness is something which is a reward factor that you get when you've done a lot of other stuff. So the, the thought pattern I have about happiness is if that's what you feel you've got to have, uh, I've, I'll claim that permanently happy people, uh, permanently happy Homo erectus got eaten years ago. 
while they sat there on the side of a hill thinking they'd done really well, uh, some big monster came along and just ate them. So don't seek happiness. Seek, seek an, environment, uh, an environment of purposefulness and supportiveness. So if you spend your time making somebody else happy, whether it's your wife or your business partners or whatever, you'll find that you reap a lot of that yourself. Uh, happiness is, is a reward that you get from getting like so this kind of graph here uh, 100% right or 50% right. It's kind of an interesting thing. I'm, I'm pretty strong around that. If you seek to find happiness, you'll probably go to the wrong place. Happiness comes from following these kind of mechanisms. On we go. Thanks, Doug. So my, my prescription is let go of the past. The past is a great teacher, but a horrible master. Disrupt yourself before other people disrupt you. If you are not uh, in fay with what the general direction of farming is going, other people will come and disrupt you, and that will be far harder to take. So have a part of your business every year where you decide to introduce innovation and new process. Embrace courage. Encourage courage in those around you. If you take a lot of the great sports people, All Blacks or whatever, Bodie Barrett, when he first started playing rugby, he did some amazingly wild stuff that often used to fail, but no one trimmed him up. They could see his amazing inventive spirit and look where it's taken him. You need to be prepared to be vulnerable and take the courage and step outside of that group that you've always been in. This is the person that'll make the future leader, the future excellent farmer. The group is fine for discussing what you're doing, but you have to be prepared to step forward. Embrace failure. A lot of people think when they go on a journey of growth and learning, if it doesn't, if they don't win every time, they've somehow lost. But my youngest son taught me a one-liner. You win or you learn. You only lose if you don't learn. So failure is actually a part of our learning process. And I'm in that place now. When I have things go wrong, I get quite excited because I know that they will lead me to another opportunity to grow. Our greatest growth in life comes from our persistence to trying to grow. Try to keep yourself calm. Stressed people only eventually have to calm themselves down. If you, that son of mine has got red hair, but underneath he's one of the bluest people I know. And all of us love working with people who can keep calm. And let yourself dream. That's that vision in the future. Imagine the possibilities. If you were prepared to let yourself go, to invite people with huge capability into your life to help you create your dream. Uh, I was brought up thinking hard work would lead me to the uh, happy place that I've found. But actually, it wasn't. It was smart work. Reject limits. I used to think that there was probably a limit to where I could achieve or what I could do in life. I'd have to say that I blew all those out of the water. But 20 years ago, I was feeling terrible because I couldn't believe for how hard I worked how little reward I got. I changed the way I integrated into life. 
And some people will tell you there's only one way to do this job, but I'll challenge you, there's always another way. And if the first way doesn't work, ask yourself, have I tried all the obvious ways of doing this? And of course, you can sit around and have lots of words, but sooner or later, you've got to have action. You've got to commit to a journey. You've got to say, today, I'm going to do it. To fine-tune your mind, there are two circles in life. The first circle is what I call your circle of concern. And I can remember being told this many years ago. I was concerned about, uh, I wasn't concerned about climate change then, but you might be now. You're concerned about the weather. You're concerned about the rugby uh, championship. Inside of your circle of concern, which is all those things, which is looking out the front window, looking out the back window, every window that you've got, there's the concentration on the road ahead your circle of influence, that small dot inside of that. When I concentrated on how we could find plants that would improve the value of the water that we had, uh, the little bit of water that we had, double the speed at which we grew lambs, the opportunity to change my world changed with the introduction of those thought patterns. So write down a list, if you might. Write down all the things that you're concerned about and beside them, on another list, write down the things out of that list or other things that you feel you can influence and put all your energy into the things that you can influence. So many farmers tell me the only reason they're not succeeding in the world is the price of this isn't good enough or the cost of that's too high or I'm paying too much interest. When I started to concentrate on my circle of influence, guess what? It started to grow. And as it grew my opportunity to participate in the world grew as well. So there's really two main mindset types in this world. There's resistant mindsets and there's resilient mindsets. The resistant mindset people think they're the only ones that shit there. They think they're the only ones that have shit land on them. But I can tell you, I've got a resilient mindset. I get the same amount of shit as they get. It's just, I treat it differently. This group here sees it as a problem. People like me see everything, every time something goes wrong for me as an opportunity to improve, grow, or learn. The resistant people avoid challenges. I seek them. I know that a challenge will be the next learning process I get. The resistant people give up early. They're thinking in the back part of their brain, this is the way it always happens to me. I don't expect to ever win on the first occasion. In fact, sometimes I've been so persistent, I've had to go to eight or 10 attempts before I've finally nailed the uh, recipe. Resistant people see effort as fruitless or worse. I see effort as a pathway to mastery. Resistant people ignore negative feedback. They think, no, stuff it. What would he know about that? I see criticism from other people. Uh, is my opportunity to self-improve. I am very careful of who I allow to, to criticize me and, and to listen to. And if it's somebody that I really respect, I sit up because I know that that person will be trying to help me. Resistant mindset people feel threatened by the success of others. And we've got a lot of that tall poppy in New Zealand. I actively seek out people who have achieved way higher than me to help me grow and learn. 
I want to spend the rest of my life turning as many people as I can around to look out the front window, which is the resilient mindset people. Uh, resistant mindset people, you never change everybody, but those who turn around and say, I think I can. If you think you can or you think you can't, you will be right. And nearly always we need somebody to help us. So I'm going to pop onto this slide. And that's a really powerful slide. I'm writing another book and it's really at the center of my whole thought patterns in my new book. Some years ago, I was taught this, uh, the teaching from geese. Geese fly on a V like that because the aerodynamic effect of the first one uh, gives the others a comparatively easy ride. They collaborate together and that organizational structure gives geese 71% more flying distance. Doug Avery, prior to my breakdown, was a hardworking individual who always flew the front. These guys, when they fly, they honk. The ones at the back are saying, you're a good bastard out the front. I'm getting a free ride here. But the intelligent ones in the V formation are honking the front goose to say, hey, mate, uh, you've been flying the front for a bit. I would like to give you a break. It's an absolute vital tip for a top flying farm to have a, to build and to work on a management structure which gives you time off the farm, which allows you time to do whatever leisure pursuits you do. Because if you do that, when you come back, you will be a far more effective person. At Bonneveree, we never fly alone. We take turns at flying the front, and we have awesome people who are constantly honking us to fly to greater heights. We employ people from outside to come into that business, to encourage us on our journey, to add value to the business, to help us to grow and understand, and to share the load of flying into the future. Now, I think at that stage, we've only got another 10 minutes. And so I'll take, I've got lots more to show if you want more, but I'd like to take more questions because often from the questions comes up some really good ones. So I'll pass back to you, Greg. I've got two questions here for you, Doug. Yep. What, what is your most favourite quote? Um, my, my most favourite quote is, uh, you win or you learn, you only lose if you don't learn. But prior to my youngest son teaching me that, and he's part of my V, as is my oldest son, as my, as my daughter and my wife, so I'm lucky that I've got a whole family that honk me and we honk each other and we support each other. But prior to that, the, uh, the quote that I loved the most was, the sweetest fruits are on the outside branches. When we were beset by drought, I laid off my staff. I cut back every expenditure I could. I stopped investing in fertilizer. I stopped employing people to help me. I went down onto the trunk of the tree and I threw my arms around the trunk of the tree and I held on for grim death. But what doesn't grow on any tree anywhere in the world? The fruit. And I got involved in a science project called the Star Reflexman Soil Conservation Group. And the, science, the six scientists that came in that, and that was a sustainable farming fund project, they helped me, along with Dr. Derek Moot, to design a new pasture system for our farm, to learn how to measure pastures, to learn how to protect our environment, to grow into a much better farmer. They honked and encouraged me. They gave me time to, 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 to step back and fly further back. 
they literally taught me a whole new way of agriculture. And they said, Doug, you go back up in the tree, climb out into the little branches, which is where all the beautiful flowers and all the wonderful fruit are. And with the new learning that you've got, you will be able to pick your fair share of fruit. It set me that particular period of time in my life on a journey that took us from nearly broke to South Island Farmer of the Year to a life where I've been able to succeed the farm to the next generation. And the other members of our family are still happy to sit down and have dinner with us. And we will honk our way into the future in an awesome way. Next question. Uh, so, so what first step would you take if you believe you need to bring outside help in to improve your business? Um, that's a really, really good question because the hardest step in life is always the first step. Uh, and if, if it's a step which you've not been uh, familiar with taking, so a set of four C's is a great thinking pattern, but before you commit, you need to have a mentor. And the way I go about mentoring is I think, what don't I know enough? And so if the first question you ask is, I don't know what I don't know. So that then go and think, well, who the bloody hell would know what I'm about to do? So I know a lot about that. I'd be happy to help you. Greg Shepard knows a lot about that. There's, there's lots and lots of information on all sorts of places. But there might be a farmer just down the road that you think, Oh my God, look what he's achieved in his life. Those sort of people, and if you happen to think, you probably look and think, oh, he wouldn't be worried about me. Bring him or her and ask them, um, would, you, would you be interested in, I'm, I'm wanting to take some pretty bold steps and I'm trying to set up a, a, a flying V and I just wondered if you'd be prepared to be a part of that V. I've asked people and they've told me, no, Doug, I'm too busy. And that's the worst thing they can say. Well, they could use a bit of worse language, I suppose. But 99% of the people that I've had in my V have just been dying to get involved. And then you form a relationship. Don't expect all the answers to come. Form a relationship. Spend time. You've got to enjoy that person. You've got to feel excited every time they're coming to your farm or every time you're going to go and meet with them at the pub or wherever it is. And, you know, building relationships has been the greatest part. When I was suffering depression, I locked myself in the back corner of my office. I drank heavily. I disengaged from everything that I'd been in. I resigned from everything. And then I had to dig myself out again, and it was a hell of a road. So I repeat the opportunity to anyone that's on this thing. If, you feel, if you're feeling angry about the world or you feel like you need a bit of help, don't hesitate to get in touch with me because I know what it's like to be in that place, and I love helping people. But in the business sense, I hope that you feel a bit of enthusiasm to have a crack because actually that a lot of people think, oh, but the risk, but I'll put it to you that the greatest risk you can put yourself at is to fall in the trap of a comfort zone. Comfort zones are very, very poorly named. Thanks for that. Um, I've got a couple more questions here. Yep. Doug, how do you keep your farm team in the mindset as well with um, meetings, check-ins or accountability, etc.? So the, the first answer to that is I don't anymore, but I know exactly how Fraser does it. <laughs> so Fraser doesn't fly the front all the time. and He's employing highly skilled people now. So we've just kept upping the bar, upping the bar, upping the bar. 
And with the type of work that our people do now, uh, they have to be pretty switched on. So they're doing a primarily a lot of measuring and they're all specialists. So my grandfather, he lived a subsistence life on Bonnevere. My father broke the shackles. And during my time, I moved from being sort of a bit subsistence or what have you to a specialised farming operation where shepherds only shepherd and they measure and collect data. And once you get people into that stage or once you get into that kind of stage yourself, you have to create the opportunity for that. And it's really, really hard. The first four years of my change was the hardest time of my life. But because I was measuring and because I felt that I was on a journey, I kept jollying myself along and saying, Doug, you're winning. You're winning, Doug. You're winning. This year, you've done a wee bit better than last year. Where we've got to now is really sophisticated. Those people and the question that you asked is how do we keep them motivated? Fraser has team meetings. He works individually, but he also trusts people to fly high with him. There's nothing will make another human being take part in a business more than when they actually have access to being a real part of a flying V. And for somebody that's not uh, used to employment, that's a hell of a big step. So you might need somebody to mentor you in employment if that's where you've got to, so that you get the right people and you treat them the right way. Farmers have have got an appallingly bad record uh, with employment. We haven't. People fight to get in our team these days. So another question probably following on from that a bit was, there's many smaller farms on the coast that are sole operators and don't have a team like Bonnevere has. What what would you tell them, their sole operators, on how to get time off? That's exactly where I started from. And uh, so I, I started this journey 20 years. I had a team, I had to dismiss it, and I had to fight back from virtually uh, uh, a completely collapsed place. Uh, the first thing was uh, to, 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 to start putting discipline into your own world. So one of the things that can happen when you're on your own is you don't tend to do discipline. You tend to just sort of be everywhere and, and doing everything. So you need to start creating what I call me time. Uh, Fraser taught me about that. <laughs> my, my kids are wonderful. By the time I die, they will have taught me nearly all the things I needed to learn when I started. <laughs> the most important thing when you're starting out is, is to get support. And so to me, if you uh, get the – if you can – possibly bring on on with you a person who's got quite high skills and you can build some trust around that relationship that person will help you to lever your way out so the, the the early steps are the hard ones and you know if you're not prepared to make them well then nothing ever changes you with that um if you always do what you've always done you'll never get a you'll never get anything else but what you've always got so breaking that cycle is the hardest thing. But, you know, when you share with other people um, uh, what your predicament is, uh, where you are, when you can open your heart and make yourself vulnerable to another person and might even be quite a stranger, that's when the opportunity to see some opportunity starts to really fly. Just the fact that you share a problem, the old saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. I have never known that not to be right. I'm just conscious of the time here. We've got another question that's come through is, why is there so much stigma around depression in our young farmers? 
all farm works and how should we try and address this oh well you know if you go if you watch tv over the next two weeks you'll see me open up say when i had my breakdown and what have you doug avery as that's part of my passion and mission in life is to open my heart which i did quite a few years ago openly admit to where i've been and uh and be accessible to as many people as i can through mediums like this or whatever it's okay to tell people the days of have to fear telling people that you're not okay have gone and that's a major first step so if you don't feel confident about talking to some people give me a ring and, and um and uh, and i will be happy to listen and to guide you and I think that's really important. But if it, you know, there might be somebody else, and you know, I know a lot of men that are too afraid to even share their inner grief with their wife. And when I can convince guys to go home and tell your wife what you've just told me, and they say, "Oh, she wouldn't want to hear this shit, Doug," and I say, "You know, the hard guy's finished. My life excelled when I stopped being the hard, foolish male of holding on to all my." shame and, and vulnerability and not being able to share it with other people so the open heart's the way when you can open your heart you open the opportunity to grow and excel and learn that's great thank you and sorry Brian, carry on i've just got another question to come through if you are you wanting to further on that no no carry on okay so we've got um do you believe in working on your farm ID? So um, working on your farm is becoming much more important, important than working in the farming business. Uh, yeah, without without doubt. And so, you know, when I when I think, uh, when I write my book, and if you haven't read The Resilient Farmer, well, not that I read, I'm, I'm not here to make money and I don't make much money out of them anyway, but if you haven't read The Resilient Farmer, if you're interested in actually learning about my complete change, read it. And it's full of, um, of thought paths around that. My life was one of typical male um, guts and gusto. And, and I just roared into things. And when I was crutching or shearing, I always had to be the one that did the most and, and all that sort of bullshit. And then when I stopped doing that and changed my integration and started thinking about the bigger picture stuff, it was bloody hard. I'm not going to say it wasn't. But I never, ever stopped going forward. It was just, it was light bulb stuff. It was born again stuff. I mean, you know, if you're airy fairy, you go for that. I'm not. It just changed my whole journey. And I would never enter into a, enter into a business or a relationship with anyone who had that hear them, scare them, I'll beat them by bloody will work until 10 o'clock or that. It's just not a good idea. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, so look, just a, a couple of points to um, add in there, I guess, not in no particular order, but just in, in relation to some of the questions that were, were, were posed. Um, another place that you might wish to consider getting some help or just to be able to talk to somebody confidentially would be the Rural Support Trust. Yeah. Um, so, so they're a great organisation and lots of great things right throughout the country. Um, the Beef and Lamb New Zealand uh, website has a huge amount of resources on it. Um, yep. So, and part of that comes back to some of the stuff Doug was talking about, about marking and measuring. You know, where, whereabouts are you relative to where um, others are in your industry or in your, um, your region, those sorts of things? A lot of that information can be found on the website. Um, and there are a lot of interactive tools here to help you work through um, 
different problems and, and come up with ideas for, for solutions. So uh, don't be afraid to look at that website. Um, the other point that I would make uh, in respect to where you go to find, find help uh, or support, um, just remember, people love being asked to help you. Um, you know, it, there's, there's such a thing as, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a, get a really big buzz when somebody says, hey, look, I need some help. I think you could provide that to me. Um, what do you say? Um, you know, they might say no, of course, but the chances are they'll, say, they'll get chucked by the thought that, well, actually, you thought highly enough of them to, to seek them out to, to ask for, for help and support. So just bear that in mind. Also, in terms of the, um, the issue of uh, time off farm, um, I guess in my experience, I've come across a, a, a range of different farm operations. The farm operations that always seem to have time uh, are those that have really good systems. So everything is process orientated. So we have a process that we go through when it comes time to uh, getting the cattle into weigh them. When they come into the yards, we move them in this way um, because that's the way they move most efficiently. Or, you know, we have, have everything set up to make things easy and um, systems make things easy. And I, I know from my involvement uh, in, in, in time that I've spent with Doug and, and Fraser on, on Bonnaroo, they have fantastic repeatable systems in place. Um, everybody knows what they do, how they go about doing it, and it saves time. And the same is, is the case on a number of other farm businesses that I've um, had the privilege of, of working with. Um, those operations, not only do they have more time, but generally they um, are more profitable as well as a consequence of being able to repeat the performance from one year to the next, irrespective of um, you know, you know, things that happen through markets or climate. So just a couple of things to bear in mind there. So Doug, sorry, back to you. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, like as we uh, started to realise the value that could be achieved out of being well, well coordinated, well planned, uh, well organised, uh, that creates the time in itself. A person who might be on the verge of a breakdown or something like that, they'll feel they've got zero time. Uh, they'll feel in their head that, uh, that they've got any time at all, not even time to go and talk to somebody. And if you're feeling like that, it's really time to act. And, um, you know, like go to your doctor or, or, or seek rural help, rural, uh, rural support help, or, or ring me or whatever, anyone else that you think that might be able to help you. The problem that happens with a breaking mind is that there's no direction. There's no thinking about where you're going to be in a year's time. There's no organisation of that path. So in its confusion your mind's tossing everything around in the back part in the, in the, in the dark corner of your brain, the, the grumpy zone, and it's basically exhausting you because you're probably not sleeping well as either. So if you're sort of finding a tendency to working harder and harder and harder, that's a, that's a, that's a red alarm. And you, need to, you, need to, you need to think about uh, implementing change. Uh, often wives will be aware of husbands that are heading that way before husbands are, and nearly always when you get to that stage, you don't like your wife pointing it out. But I'll tell you guys, if you're one of those fellas that's heading that way at the moment, remember, women actually want emotionally strong men in their life. 
not broken men. My wife could hardly cope with me through that time, and she was incredibly brave to stay with me. I'm just conscious, Doug, that uh, we've um, gone to 20 to, to 9. Um, how much more have you got to present to us? Oh, I'm, I can yeah. stop or I can carry on. I, you know, me. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm happy to leave it there. Or if you want to, if you want me to carry on, I'm happy to carry on. I'm not. I'm, I've got no time constraint. But you know, if okay. there's more, if there's more questions, I'm happy to answer those. All right. Well, perhaps this is an opportunity. Then um, you know, I, I guess we've got a little poll that we'd like to um, to share with uh, the audience to get some feedback. But so that's just been launched now. So if you could take time to answer those, I think there's four questions there, three or four hey. questions there. Um, and um, also, if you have got other questions, again, just click that chat button at the bottom of your screen and type in your, your question. And um, while others are filling in that, uh, that poll, we can look at those questions and, and take five minutes to, to answer, uh, answer them. We've got 100% yes so far. That's, that's a, a bloody encouraging thing. I'll bloody talk to you buggers again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you fortunate that um, you can see the um, the, uh, the the poll results as they come in. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm thinking this must be one of the better groups I've spoken to in recent time. Just while they're, while they're doing that, I, I, I can't reiterate enough. One of the, one of the greatest things of change in my life was to, to stop being uh, feeling I had to fly the front of my V all the time. And Bonavere's developed just the most wonderful V now where we've got just so many people in the team that have got capability. And, of course, that actually just slowly lifts... It, it, they're all excited and, and it just spreads through everybody and, and it's just a joy for me and I was getting too slow you know like Fraser was sort of looking at me as though the old man limps and he's a bit slow and he backs the tractor into things and causes trouble and so I was better to get out and to, 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 to just tell stories these days and write books my new book and the backbone of my new book is about what I call the three the four pillars of well-being uh, those four pillars being love, connection, purpose, and hope. And so if you are loved, if you are connected with other people, and you are feeling purposeful about your work, you will be hopeful, and there's a very strong chance that you'll be bloody happy. And so this connection thing is all about finding the people that you need. It's not about finding the people that other people tell you that you need. It's about finding the people that you need that can help grow your capability, that can help you through the courage zone, that can build confidence into you so that bit by bit every year you add more competencies to, to your skill kit. And, you know, once I got onto that, uh, my life just took off uh, the opportunities to farm to a higher level uh, the fear that I carried forward into the days was replaced by optimism, by the absolute determination that if we had a problem, I'd find a solution. And my mental health just took off as well. 
So incidentally, in um, Dr. Tom's kind act, um, I get 100% uh, for mental health, and I feel 100%. When it comes to the physical side, I've only got to lose about an inch of height, again, an inch of height, and I get a, uh, quite a bit better score there. So I've just either got to lose, gain height or lose weight, and I'm on that as well. Very good. So, I guess, um, Doug, you know, you, you talk, you know, we talk about being happy and what have you, and it's possibly an area to, to, to reiterate that, you know, to be happy, as you say, it's about having a direction or a purpose to get there, and you've got to have tension in your life to create that. You've got to have a gap from where you are today to where you want to be and, and enjoying that journey through. Is that correct? Absolutely. So I, I see a lot of people, uh, are parents with their little children, and and the kids will say, Mom, I'm bored. Oh, darling, oh, look here. And they'll jump down on the floor and they get something. When my kids were that age and they said they were bored, I said, well, there's plenty of stuff to do around here. Get innovative. Get innovative. The next thing they'll be doing something, and they were learning and growing. And actually, we're just big kids. We're just big kids. I mean, I'm a bigger kid. I'm 66 years old, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm more optimistic now than I was when I was 18. And that's all about mind control um, and management. And so that's why I say your top paddock's your best paddock. When you grow the capability of the latet, the top paddock, your ability on the farm will start to come along for a ride with it. And never try to do it on your own. There's so many farmers make that terrible mistake. I'll get the highest lambing percentage and then I'll go to the pub and tell them. But by the time they get to the pub, they all they can tell them is their misery. You get the highest lambing percentage by learning the tricks. You get the better bank balance by, by learning and growing in collaboration with others. And I might add that I'm, I'm delighted that farmers voted for beef and lamb to carry on because at Bonneveree, beef and lamb is one of the major, major sources of growth and information that we get. And the simple fact of the matter that we have to understand is that individually, once again, we aren't a big enough farm to buy all the knowledge that we need to grow and learn to cope with tomorrow. So it's all pretty compelling when you think about it like that. And if you're on your own, well, you can get away from that place. You can, you can collaborate with another neighbour and say, look, let's work together on some of this stuff. Let's Let's, let's, let's put some goals on where we'll be this time next year and let's figure out what, what do we need to learn to ensure that by this time next year, we've actually achieved those goals. Make them realistic. Don't make them too hard to start with. Nailing small goals and celebrating them is just as important as nailing big goals. Right. Hey, well, look, I think... Um... We've got no more questions coming in, so I think we'll call that a night there. Um, firstly, Doug, look, thank you very much for uh, for sharing your insight and your story. Um, it's, it's been enlightening, as always, and uh, no doubt by the sounds of it or by the look of the feedback, um, everybody has got something from it uh, and thought it's been fantastic So um, and, and, and has added value to their business, which is great. So thank you very much. Um, for the audience, look, thank you very much for uh, coming on board and being part of this. Um, I hope that um, you know, you've been able to take uh, at least one thing from this and uh, will action that. 
I guess um, if you're here in partnership uh, with your husband and wives or, or girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, um, please take time to share some of the thoughts that um, you heard tonight because we know that by talking about these things further, um, greater uptake and action is um, uh, occurs. So please do that. Um, thank you very much for your poll, uh, answering all those poll questions. Um, that gives us some valuable feedback on when to um, to hold these events and to how to target it to, uh, to farmers. So thank you. Um, also, look, just want to thank um, Rhiannon for your support in the background uh, and also Lucy Murray from um, Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Uh, Beef and Lamb New Zealand, as you know, um, we're successful at the referendum and uh, carrying on, which is fantastic. And really, tonight we've brought to you with the, uh, the levies that you pay to Beef and Lamb New Zealand. So thank you, Lucy, and Beef and Lamb New Zealand.